I should have tested the mics first. Say yes. something. Something. All right, good. Good in morning. The way. Good morning. I contacted Shami, our graphic designer, to come up with a little logo or avatar for the podcast. There's free avatar generators. No, Michael, I'm going to... Yeah, okay, I'm she, no good. She, just, she uses the avatar for inspiration, then she's going to create her own. Yeah, yeah, share the wall. So based on your idea, we're going to... Wait, what's my idea? No, I'm going to tell you your tell you your idea. Good, then I'll know. Where's Shami? Uh, so she had the idea, which at first I didn't like, but then I gave it a minute and I loved it. So it's can going to be, can you see this? Like this happy little cartoon of like chirpy 50s yep. girl in her ponytail washing the dishes. Yep. But then the bubbles are going to be little musical notes. And then we're going to put like little subversive Easter eggs in there, like re replacing the lace on her on her um, apron. Yes. With wallet chains and have her have a little tattoo on her little delicate arm. And then maybe, you know, guitar picks for earrings, like that sort of thing. Okay. That's that sort of thing. Good, good. I think, I think it's going to be great. Um, for the record, such as it is, uh, I think my idea was just uh, soap bubbles and, and popping and dissolving in a drain. I didn't want people or anything, but I like uh, that you're going with the, the soap bubble idea. Yeah. <clears throat> and so then she's going to make the girl look more like me. Right. I don't know right, how. Right. But, well, um, like a, a rockery version. You know, well, no, she's going to look all cheap, like cheerful like this, but then there's going to be little yeah, hidden wallet clues. Chains. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. So I like it. Mad Men meets. No. Something. References. Uh no, well, Mad you, Men meets every girl bassist and every rock band that's ever had a girl bassist. Shall we list them off? No, we shall not. Um But it, is there a separate category, by the way, when uh the female bassist is the only female in the band? So would you make a distinction between yes. Darcy and what's her name? Michael Steele. Luscious Jackson or the um, bangles, yes, definitely would make a distinction. Isn't Smashing that... pumpkins, okay, all right. Because the bass is just easier for women to play because of our smaller hands. Yeah, but the bass is longer scale, but uh, yeah, it 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 is uh, true that. Uh... And let's play. Let's face it. I mean, if you just need some 16th notes on the bottom and you need your, you know, any, any decent, anybody who spent two years practicing a bass guitar could replace Adam Clayton and no one would know oh. be the wiser. Well, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, there is certainly a grand tradition. It doesn't just apply to ladies because of course ladies are, are no less talented than, than fellows uh, musically. Um, but yes, very often the least or less capable uh, guitarist, for example, becomes a, a bassist. In one of that my many, many manic ADHD episodes, I was 
re- repeatedly listening to Dandy Warhol's songs <laughs> all day long and got all excited that I thought it would be a nice hobby, a nice stress reliever mm-hmm. to learn some rhythm guitar riffs or I don't know what sure. you call it. And so you picked out a guitar for me and I played it for two minutes and then I've never touched it again. But I still want to. It's so hard. It is. I don't know how anyone can learn to play the guitar. It's so hard. The whole idea of, um, you know, chords or whatever, more than one note at one time, if you want to kind of distill it down, uh, is, yeah, maybe a different um, approach to, to music than I think a lot of people would have. I mean, there, there seems something maybe a bit more natural about just linear. It's like, all right, how do I start with this instrument? Just play one note at a time or whatever. Um, I, I mean, I guess the, the guitar is an interesting um, kind of variation on the, you know, more than one note at one time because, you know, you don't typically have, unless you're doing like two hand uh, styles, that sort of thing. You don't, require the kind of independence that you do in uh, keyboard playing or drumming but there is still you know how do I get my ring finger to do this while my index finger does that and that is typically not something that you have to worry about on the bass yeah plus it's physically hard it hurts you have to build up calluses on your fingers there's some athleticism required and you can't see what you're doing Unlike at a piano where you can see what you're doing. That also. And then just the variation of it. I mean, yes, of course, you can arpeggiate on a piano. You can play one note at a time on a piano. Just like you. It just. I don't know. For some reason, the variation of how you can play a guitar, Mm -hmm. even though there's parity on a piano. It just seems so much infinitely harder. And the options seem so much more expansive than just about any other instrument I can think of, even any other stringed instrument. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, of course, in a way, the piano and uh, certainly electronic instruments and uh, even some orchestral instruments uh, could theoretically, um, especially if they're doing like harmonics and overtone series, that sort of thing. You could exceed the range of the piano, but if we, you know, generally do your uh, standard piano nowadays, uh, 88 uh, notes, um, the guitar in a sense has more, you know, in a standard tuning guitar, it doesn't actually uh, have as large a range as the piano, but the idea that you could play whatever note you want to say, uh, a you know, middle C, you could play it in a couple different places on a guitar and you never get that on piano. Middle C is right there all the time. Now you might play it with different fingers depending on, you know, where it comes in a sequence of notes, but in the guitar you have multiple notes just because the, the, of the, the way the strings are um, tuned and, you know, the overlap. So anyway. Yeah. And that's how you can see that somebody could easily spend their entire childhood and adolescence in their bedroom with their guitar, experimenting with that, working out those patterns, figuring out the efficiency of how to get to a middle C from where you already are. Yeah. I, you know, I, I had said when I picked that thing up that I wished I'd started 
practicing this 20, 30 years ago. And somebody uh, that I know who's a quite an accomplished classical guitarist said, even if you started at eight years old, everybody wishes they would have started 20 years ago. Right. So what an incredible instrument. Which I guess is inspiring, right? If yeah. There's so much to do. And, you know, I guess, uh, whatever, the jaw harp or the slide whistle, maybe not quite as much uh, potential uh, there. Yeah. I don't know um, who the greatest uh, slide whistle player is in the world, but I guess there's just not as much facility there as you would with You mean guitar. the thing that goes... For example, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Or, or whatever instrument, yeah. So a friend of mine sent me some pictures from one of the one two, three high schools that I went to, class reunion, and it's wild, Michael. It's just like the audience of the situation, Gray shows. Who are these middle-aged moms and dads? They're I can't us. get my head around <laughs> it. The women all look fantastic. They there's so much we can do now. I was really happy for them. They they look age appropriate. They look beautiful, well-maintained, aging tastefully. Everybody's kind of going, if they were already blonde, going blonder or masking the gray with just everybody. All the women looked fantastic. The men kind of schlubby, you know, and then there were a few people that have completely let themselves go. But, you know, people oh. are hanging in there. Well-preserved, well-pickled women in their early 50s are smoking, you know? Yeah. And at the same time, it was this ensemble of multi-generational white privilege that just goes on and on and on. It just, it's a, it's self-perpetuating. You know, they all came from at least economically stable homes, they yep. did better than their parents. Their kids are, you know, have no problems going through life. This and is um, northern Indiana, southern Michigan type mm-hmm. of thing. So there's uh, just like super comfortable middle class, some stable industries. Sure. Um, yeah, dad might even be doing what his dad did, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. The thing that is unique about this part of the United States is the golf shirts. <laughs> Generation after generation of middle-aged men wear these synthetic collared, like, polo-style golf shirts. Why? 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 Comfort, I think. Um, At least in this picture, none of them were wearing baseball caps, which is, I guess, a form of progress. Or uh, shorts and flip-flops, which, you know. There were shorts and flip-flops, but also, but there's the golf shirts. And with the women, the white capri pants with the sandals. Yeah, that could be pants. Yeah, I mean, generation after generation. Once you done the white capri pants with the sandals, there's no going back. You've crossed over the line. I think the you question is, do mother. you want to go back though? And you know, I think um, fellas in particular. Look, this is dangerous territory, but um, I think that there may be a bit more honesty uh, in men and a especially men of a particular age, at some point, you're not living your life for anyone except you. Those guys know that they don't look 
great in a golf shirt. They know that it's not the most fashionable thing. By the way, I don't know anything. I don't know technically what a golf shirt means, but I think I have an idea. Uh, but but the, the the general idea that's like, yeah, this is this is a, a shirt. I'm just wearing my shirt. Not here to impress anyone. And uh, I kind of admire that uh, someone who's so comfortable in you know what they are. This just here I am. Take it or leave it. Whatever not making an effort, you know, quote, making an effort, uh, which is, I suppose, admirable as well. And it's not necessarily false, but it does have the, you know, veneer of, it's like, well, what are you, what are you doing here? You know, what, what message are you trying to send? I don't know. So let's talk about your fashion aesthetic, not trying to impress anyone. Mm -hmm. So as we sit here this morning, Again, once again, our producer couldn't be bothered to show up, um, so we're on our own. Can't blame him. He doesn't you get paid are wearing enough. your T-shirt that I bought you when we were in Oban. I think all you and your brothers all have the same T-shirt. Yeah, it's a right. cool T-shirt now because it's it's got that sort of vintage patina to it, and uh, it's you know by absolutely no effort of your own. You know, it's like cool vintage style T-shirt. Stained and torn. You are wearing yeah. some pajama pants that I bought you either at TJ Maxx or at the grocery store. And yeah, from the grocery store, those yeah. socks I think were my mother's. Um, no, these are like thick athletic. Uh, right, that I think were my mother's. Um, now, people who are, you know, pay attention to my Facebook updates will remember a few years ago. When Michael Massa shocked the world and announced he was going to go clothes shopping, these are words I've never ever heard you say. You were gone for a while, and you came back with having procured a single long sleeve white t shirt that you bought at Slichro for our American listeners, of which we have none is the Dutch version of Costco. And um, that was it. And the t-shirt cost seven euros and I think 77 cents. So I was I think it was 7.99 and the exchange rate was a little bit different then. Um, but yeah. That was Look, you going I, clothes shopping. Well, because when I say that, you know, I'm not going uh, window shopping or I'm not... Uh, looking for inspiration it's like maybe i want something that looks like this or so uh, you went I out mean, clothes I needed, shopping in your mind saying i need one white I long sleeve shirt. t-shirt well i it didn't have to be that i'm gonna get it one. at the grocery if store if it were a three-pack that would have been fine probably depending on the price but um and the, the color wasn't i wasn't that excited about white but you know i got it kind of in the like chef's white section uh, of the store sort of thing. So, you know, it has a, well, an almost it's an generic undershirt. uniform. It's not a chef's shirt. It's, it's like a long sleeve undershirt. Well, an undershirt is when you put another shirt on top, something becomes an undershirt. But um, it can certainly be worn in public, uh, even if it's an undershirt. And... Um... Back in the day, when you were kind of buying clothes, you had a policy that no matter how much something cost retail, whether it was five 
dollars or five hundred dollars, you would never buy anything that wasn't discounted a minimum of seventy seven percent. So you would buy nicer clothes. I remember you bought that nice cashmere zip up sweater from Overstock, yeah, and yeah. it was a minimum of seventy seven percent off. That was your threshold. I used to buy some things at Overstock. Yeah, um, I don't look. I look for value. Uh, there are, of course, exceptions to a 77%, but it's it's a good place to start. Um, 25%, for example, is is not a bargain. Uh, I wouldn't get something at 25%. And I also, I would tend not to get something um, that's only like five bucks or something. Uh, this, this gets complicated, but, you know, I think that if we pause to contemplate it for a moment obviously you cannot have high quality clothing that is dirt cheap in price uh, unless there's some human misery involved um the analysis i think becomes a bit more complicated when you are looking at things like maybe a couple seasons uh, past or something where uh, they just want to get rid of it uh so how much uh, harm is there in scooping up the uh, bargain then because I think one of the the issues that we have with buying fo uh, food or clothing or whatever that is you know quote too cheap you know given particular uh, market conditions and what people should be getting paid for their labor <clears throat> is that by doing so we are incentivizing the next cycle of exploitation but when it comes time to, you know, just like clear out, you know, liquidation sales, that incentive, I think, goes down a bit. So I don't think you have to feel quite as bad uh, when you go to Topshop or, or whatever those things are called and get the, you know, the day they come out. Yes, then you're contributing to human exploitation. Uh, because you are ex uh, incentivizing a bit more. I anyway. do accept that this is part of your stick it to the man. It's not sticking to the man. Well, yeah, it's, because it's like they're, you know, they're not going to make any money off of the stuff that they've paid too little for anyway. Yeah. But the other thing, too, like if you remember that baseball jersey type shirt that I bought on Broadway at an outdoor sale in Seattle that mm -hmm. cost five dollars. You wore that shirt for decades. We've talked about this already before with Michael's pants, jammas, and we'll bring this up many times, I'm sure, in the future. But Michael has so few clothes that when the clothes do finally need to cross over the Rainbow Bridge, it, it there's so much history wrapped yep. up in that article of, of fabric because he's worn it for so long. And if the, the shirt is tattered and has holes in it and the seams are falling apart, you will not throw that shirt away. You'll always find an excuse or a reason to wear it until I cannot bear to look at you in that shirt anymore. I will throw that shirt away. You will pull that shirt out of the trash. It's very hard, and I love this about you, it is very hard for you to let go of things because you know that they're going to end up in landfill or they're going to be polluting the environment. But sometimes I have to remind you, yeah. somebody at some point is going to throw this stuff away after we die. Like It's going to go into a bad place at some point, Michael. And I love you for the fact that I think that's sort of hard for you to reckon with. Well, I, I try not to consume too much. And, you know, we don't uh, have children. So I know that, 
you know, you can't. The children, the, you can't pass on your rags human to history. Our children. Well, yeah. no, throughout human history, you you did though. I mean, hand me downs. Mm-hmm. You know, quote hand me downs could cross generations. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Like if you you know inherited your uh, father's overcoat or yeah. something like that, which you've I done. think that yeah. that's a great way mm-hmm. uh, to to live. Um, but yes, you do get sick of looking at them. Sometimes I have to sort of put them out of rotation. Um, they'll go away and maybe appear now and again, possibly under something else so that you won't notice. Um, that uh, Gap sweater, for example, which I think is the probably the first uh, item of clothing that, that you Gap ever sweater. bought for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. So See, this I know exactly been... what he's talking about. Yeah, of course you do. Because <laughs> that sweater. It has like it has some, you know, sort of mustard stain or something on the sleeve. Like it has a persistent stain. It's so a very light color. So it has a mustard color. stain it's on like a the... But see, this bone. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like we remember that mustard Absolutely. stain. Absolutely. It so probably it got it at Subway or something in the late 90s. I mean. <laughs> when it already would have been eight years old. Yeah. yeah. That shirt. Yeah. Um, a sweater. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that sweater. I mean, okay, so the sta- the sleeves are a little bit shorter now, you know, a slight amount of shrinkage. Although it was the style to have, you know, slightly different. Mm. It's very boxy, you know, it's kind of a, a broad uh, shape. But it, it works, and especially uh, in winter when I tend to layer, mm-hmm. uh, it works very well indeed. Do you still have that sweater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what taking... I'm saying, but th- that's gone away because you really didn't want to see that anymore. But you do have it. It's in oh, the yeah, back yeah, of your yeah. closet somewhere. Oh, yeah. We should start yeah. taking pictures of some of your items. No, we're not taking pictures. Right. And the other thing that you do when I do buy you clothes is they, they may sit with the, folded with the tag still on them for a year or so before you'll pull them out and wear them. You're very linear, like one shirt at a time. There, there or are the shoes that shirts, I buy but, you yeah. that are in the boxes. I want to see you in those shoes. You will not wear them. Well, I, I will wear them when it's time to wear them. So, yeah, I mix it up a little bit. I might have, you know, as many as three different shoes in rotation. But for the most part, it's like, all right, I, I'm leaving the house. I need shoes. So I'll use the shoes that I'm currently wearing. Shoes. Now, you could have, you know, of course, like I have the Wellingtons. All right. So that's going to be a very niche uh, sort of thing. I guess some people wouldn't consider Wellington Your shoes. Your work boots? Your work Wellingtons? No. Yeah. Well, I'm the, the tall green hunters, you know. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, obviously I'm not going to uh, go to the grocery store in those. So maybe the, those aren't shoes uh, or boots or whatever. Um, but yeah, but, you know, I can sort of have dog walk slash uh, hiking shoes. And then things that I will wear if I have to meet, I shouldn't say have to meet, if I'm meeting people that I don't know very well. Mm -hmm. You know, I I won't wear the dog walking shoes if I'm meeting someone for the first time or if it's someone who, you know, I haven't had over to the house or I haven't dined with or had a drink with. These people I don't know particularly well. So I, I, I do recognize that by wearing pants, jammas or the dog walking uh, shoes slash boots. Uh, I am, you know, sort of sending a message. It's perhaps not the facet of myself that I would put forward in all situations. But for the most part, and I think this sort of comes back to the golf shirt thing, it's like I don't really care about wearing the <laughs> dog walking shoes, boots uh, to the grocery store. People I'm seeing in the grocery store are going to judge me based on that. I don't particularly care. Don't you feel different when you're dressed up? Yeah. Yeah. But that I think kind of sometimes it is is less comfortable uh, because it's just uh, 
and that's not necessarily physically comfortable, although it can be that, uh, depending on the, the cut of the clothes, etc. but more just a, a kind of a emotional or psychological. It's like, this is not what I'm used uh, to doing. So, Oh, so you feel uncomfortable, like well, emotionally uncomfortable if you're dressed up. Possibly because oh. it's a, it's a somewhat less authentic version just because of less repetition, uh, of, you know, my other modes of dress, if you could call them that. Yesterday I had a new client appointment, um, and we agreed to meet in a very nice place. And so I dressed up in one of my beautiful professional dresses. I did my makeup, I did my hair and I, and I had a meeting before, so I ended up getting there an hour early. And so I sat in the beautiful cafe was attended to beautifully by the beautiful service. There was beautiful music. Unusual for Amsterdam. Yeah. And I was, I, and in that instance, in that instance for me, I felt very comfortable and because I felt comfortable, I felt sophisticated. I felt well put together. I was able to focus, to work very efficiently. We need to do that more often, especially still coming out of this lockdown thing. We have got to pull ourselves out of that, get dressed, look nice, go out into the world. Yeah. And it's not for any, for some reason, it's for me. It's not to show off to other people. It's not like I was wearing expensive jewelry or anything like, like I don't have any, but I mean, I just felt comfortable, good, professional, ready to go. Yeah. Not working behind my desk in my pajamas or sweatpants or whatever. Yeah, I think it's you make good, good for us. No, you, you, I, I think you make a good point good there. And I wasn't necessarily um, discussing that that uh, issue in the clearest way. So yes, it's not always uh, dressing a certain way or presenting oneself in order to uh, whatever influence uh, others or to you know, kind of put forth one version of yourself, it can indeed be uh, for oneself. But I think that the likelihood of it, you know, depends a great deal on whether we are uh, someone who uses whatever fashion or clothing um, in order to express oneself. And I think that that varies a great deal for, for people. You know, I might, I always say like I might, and then I never do it, but I've been saying to myself for a while that I might start doing this, even if it's just once a week. Um, get dressed up, go to a lovely little cafe or bar and, you know, a five-star restaurant. Mm-hmm. Tuck myself in a corner off, you're like in the downtime so you're not taking up a table that somebody needs. Like yesterday, for example, the little bar in that we met in this hotel was, um, you know, empty. So it was like yep. two o'clock. And, uh, you know, the, the waiters are, you know, they're a little bit bored. Like there's nothing going on. So they're very happy to see you. Tucked myself into a little corner. I ordered a cappuccino and a spa road, sparkling water, which costs 15 euros. <laughs> but, but. It's two shirts. Yeah. But it's two shirts, maybe three for Michael yeah. if he gets a three packer. Yeah. But that's much cheaper than spending, you know, a hundred euros a month at uh, like a flex open office shared workspace, like spaces, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. where you may go there once a week or not, like a gym membership. Right. 
it's it's way more affordable. It's way nicer. You get incredible service and you get a lot of work done. At least I do. I'm going to start trying to do this more. Um, well, who was it? Uh, I just heard some comedian, I think, doing a bit on, you know, the, the Starbucks is basically like we work. You know, yeah. it, it's like a spaces sort of thing. Plenty of people just use Starbucks as an office. Right. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking well, about sort of no i'm talking about going to places that feel exclusive and parking myself there for a few hours in a beautiful dress and opening my laptop and getting some work done and feeling great about myself right no which i think is great a lot of people feel uncomfortable uh dining or you know at a cafe uh, alone you know i used to yeah i used to be absolutely panic stricken around the idea of dining alone mm-hmm. and for some reason that just totally went away maybe it's yeah. because we have our laptops in front of us now um right or phones or whatever, yeah but yeah. there was this very fancy sort of hoisa looking um <laughs> family that was at this little uh bar slash cafe tucked away in this hotel and just inside that so how would you it, it would you say uh Hoysha is uh, like nouveau or it's how like would upper you... east side okay, okay. it's upper right. east side yeah. you know but it's a whole area of the netherlands that's basically the upper east side of new york city i was um, gonna say jersey but yeah okay go ahead <laughs> yeah yeah um and the uh uh the father of this family came over and shook hands with the person I was meeting with. And then the person I was meeting with said, uh, oh, yeah, they're regulars here. And okay. I thought, see, they just come in here. They probably live around the corner, have a little lunch. Yeah. It's a everybody knows your name situation. I really like that. Which is important. You know, we've got yeah. to get out of our houses. Yeah. Um, work from home is great, but don't work from home. Work from get out back out into the world. Get back out into the world, people. It's good for us. You know, it does. Was that my first, you know, us. or have yeah. I been saying, you know, the whole time? <laughs> I don't it's know. Good I for us. Yeah. No, it, it is a good idea. I'm, and I think everyone has kind of started to change. Like I'm almost always wearing pants now in, in Zoom meetings. So it's, you know, we, we are making more of an effort. Right. So you went clothes shopping just a week or two ago. Oh, well, I needed to. The zipper on my old pants failed. Yeah. So, so you bought your <clears> new <throat> pants at? Hornbach, which it's is the Home Dutch Depot. version of Home Depot. So, yep, yep. And it it was really cute because you bought worker pants, um, just some black cargo pants, basically. They're my Zelenskis. And um, what was adorable is you basically asked me the version of, does my butt look fat in these pants? You're like, are they too tight? You don't well, want to be like too fashionable. You don't want to be skinny pants guy. No, you definitely don't want to be new pants guy. Well, um, skinny, like skinny jeans guy. Well, middle-aged skinny jeans guy. You were worried yes. about that, I think. Yeah, but that's uh, it's partly a cultural thing. So um, if I were to uh, generally shop at like a Home Depot type thing, I would think, and this is a broad generalization, but I think largely true, uh, Americans tend to be uh, slightly larger uh, than Dutch people, and that's often... Uh, especially so for, you know, the so-called refrigerator repairman type situation. So I was thinking that the uh, Hornbach uh, cut of the trousers might be a bit more generous. So I didn't want to go for the next size up uh, waist-wise because I thought that would, that would kind of balloon the whole thing. Um, so I went with, a, you know, the slightly smaller waist size 
which I think generally trims up the whole thing anyway. But the, the overall point is that these trousers, I think, are cut more for the, the Dutch <laughs> uh, worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they are almost bordering on uh, skinny jeans. But, um, but yeah, I'm definitely uh, I'm fit to rule the Ukraine uh, in them. Well, the thing that's annoying is that they look fantastic on you because they, the cut does fit you very well, that you don't have a plumber situation in yep. the back. And if you were to wear a crisp white shirt and maybe like a trendy vest, you would have yeah. a really, really nice outfit with those pants. Uh, doggy doorbell. Can you yeah. see if um, maybe there's a delivery guy up there? We're going to pause for a sec. I want to see if I can catch capture this purr on the mic. Yeah. I can hear it, but I think she's off axis. So sweet. Sweet little girl. Anyway, so yeah, you did well with those pants. Well, uh, thank you. I mean, they were very expensive, but uh, they, you know they reinforced. They were uh, forty-five euros. Uh, they were uh, plus you know huge amounts of sales tax, but um, but they. Uh, you know, you could have charged those to Ozarka because <clears throat> those are your work pants, and you could have gotten the vat back. Probably should have, yeah. Um, but you know, I think they kind of have reinforced everything as well, so I think they're going to last a little while because. When a pair of pants does uh, let me down eventually, it's usually to do with um, crotch tears. Well, you have a very long stride. And so you tend to pull the first thing that goes in your pants is indeed the crotchular area. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes. No one likes to. What were we talking about upstairs? Talking about lots of stuff. Uh, Just before we came down here? Yeah. Where we decided we have to get this. Oh, Jesus. Well, we were talking about history. No, we were uh, talking about talking about history. <laughs> talking about talking about. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. God. Riffing. The reason we came down here was we said we should get this on the podcast. And now we can't remember what it was. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we can uh, reconstruct if we want to. No, it's fine. Um, um so I have to get ready because this morning I'm going for a uh, plastic surgery consultation because I do, I am super open about this. Mm-hmm. So I do think at some point I'm going to, going to want to go for a little bit of a, a little bit of a lift, a little bit mm-hmm. of a hoist hoist in the facial area. Mm-hmm. So let's see what's involved there. They have this thing they can do now where they put these, they inject these strings in inside your face and literally just pull up like, you know, the string on a, um, like on a purse or a satchel, like a hippie purse. They just, yeah. Yeah. And then I think they dissolve after a while. Well, you could have, you know, like a software controlled, uh, turnbuckle essentially like yeah. you would have in sailboat rigging it's like all right so it's anchored to my cheekbone uh yeah and you then my just chin it. well then you just uh pull up your app and dial in it's like oh i need to go a little tighter mm-hmm. how's my smile <laughs> yeah i would love well, it mm-hmm. if i had an app that just forced my mouth to smile so that i wouldn't have to do it by myself so i'm not a big smiler don't they make like false teeth for that sort of thing? Like, I am uh, the make... OG resting bitch face. Um, you know. Apparently, I have a I very, I have a very sour, have dour 